Hi, everybody. I am recording this intro the week before um, most of my kids start school or they start kind of like half days. So I'm assuming that many of you who are listening are also Jewish busy moms. And um, it's, it's, yeah, it happens every year and we know it's coming, but I'm just giving you a shout out. Um, I know it's hard and I hope that this uh, podcast helps you and just something fun to listen to while you're doing the dishes or drowning out the noise. Um, I'm really excited to put out this episode with Julie Duffy Dillon. Um, She's somebody who I've always looked up to actually as the PCOS expert. And I really appreciate people who are busting the myths on these nutrition myths around certain um, disorders or diagnoses or syndromes. And PCOS is a big, big, big one that I've worked with many clients that have PCOS and I have friends that have PCOS and we talk about it and it's so confusing and so much um, information out there is just totally wrong and not researched and really makes people develop eating disorders because the recommendations are so off. So listen to this episode. Um, I, I, Julie, Julie is considered an expert in the field and I hope that it validates your experience and that it really helps you um, moving forward, especially if you are diagnosed with PCOS and you're just not sure where to turn. Um, if you would like to work with me one-on-one, reach out at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com or you could sign up for a 20-minute free call on my website, www.gilaglassberg.com and I would love to get to know you even if you're not ready to go on this one-on-one journey I would still love to hear from you you can email me again at gilaglassberg18 at gmail.com and you could also purchase many of my live courses on the website at www.gilaglassberg.com and without further ado here is the episode Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Get Into It with Gila. I'm Gila Glassberg, your host, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I'm really excited to welcome Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you, Julie? I'm great, Gila. It's so nice to meet you. And thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm really excited to have you on, especially because you're known as the PCOS expert. And as I was saying before we started recording, I feel like there's a lot of confusion around PCOS and especially how to use the intuitive eating model. So uh, before we go there, do you mind just introducing yourself, telling us how you got into this work? 
Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, so I've been a dietitian since 1999. I consider myself a seasoned dietitian now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, besides being a dietitian, I also have training as a counselor. And um, I say that because for a lot of the work that I've done over this this time has been studying food behavior using different kinds of lenses, you know, including being a dietitian and trained as a therapist. But I have worked in all areas of care. You know, I've worked in um, hospitals. I've worked in outpatient clinics and also in private practice. And something that I got really interested in as I became a non-diet dietitian is intuitive eating. And it probably like you, it evolved into, well, I can't not do this. Like I can't do weight management. I don't like... I'm not going to use a weight centric model anymore. And I was specializing in eating disorders um, at the time when so many people kept coming to my office who were wanting to help their relationship with food, but they had this chronic illness called polycystic ovary syndrome. And they're like, well, I can't eat whatever I want. I can't eat what I'm craving because I have this PCOS thing. And, you know, after I heard it probably 10, 15 times, I'm like, I better figure this out because diets don't work for most people. So why would they work for PCOS? Mm-hmm. Everyone deserves like recovery from an eating disorder or to recover from diet culture. Why not people with PCOS? And when I looked at our training books, I I'm sure you use like the Krauss manual or that big, thick nutrition book. Yeah. And it's right I, here I, in my office. <laughs> I mean, we all like keep it because not only yeah. was it expensive, but we spent so much time with it, but yeah. looking at what they say about PCOS, at least in the versions I've had, um, there's just like this little tiny paragraph that basically just says, um, help people lose weight and treat it like diabetes. And I'm like, well, I know that's not going to be helpful. So for a good five years or so, I just was like searching for folks to help mentor me who are willing to look outside of the weight centric model. And this was probably around 2005 esque when I was doing a lot of that type of work. And luckily I connected with some folks who were doing that work. And of course this is like pre Instagram and stuff like that. Like I had to like use the baby internet to figure this out. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, it was really exciting to, to like see tools work. And what I found with intuitive eating and PCOS, and I know we'll get into this is like, yes, you can do intuitive eating or any non-diet tool with PCOS and it may just look different and that's okay. And I think you're going to find that for anybody with like lots of different chronic illnesses, there may be some tweaks here and there, but you still can heal and prioritizing healing is still the priority as for me, for the clinician, like you don't have to like be rigid with your carbs and sugar. And if anything else, like it probably makes it worse. So mm-hmm. let's intuitive eating. I do find to be a really helpful tool, tool to be sustainable and actually like help promoting too. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So when, when did you, how many years ago was that, that PCOS became like your thing? Oh, it probably slowly trickled in because I was like, no, I'm just going to specialize in eating disorders. I don't want to do any kind of like medical conditions. But around 2010, probably I was like, you know, I think I like having this other thing because um, those of us, and I have a feeling you can appreciate this working with eating disorders. There's like a, it's just is a, a certain type of work where you only can have capacity for so many people that you work with. Um, and then with PCOS, it was just kind of this different thing and I liked it, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. um, and then about five years later, I actually was starting to, I, I would live in a small town. So I had done so many groups and I, I don't know, I, I know I didn't help everybody with PCOS, but like the, it was starting to trickle down. Um, 
but then I was like, maybe I won't specialize in PCOS anymore. And I was about ready to take it off my website when I got a phone call from Los Angeles. They're like, hey, we're doing this reality show in your town. Do you want to film with this person who has PCOS wow. and is recovering from an eating disorder? I'm like, I think this may be my only chance to be on TV. I probably should take it. <laughs> so That's so then, crazy. It's so I'm like, well, why not? So then after that, it became something that I really enjoyed more than um, like, it just, it was fascinating for me to work with eating disorders and PCOS together. Like that became really my favorite type of topic to work on with someone. So it just hasn't gone away. <laughs> That's really interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you yourself never had, like don't have PCOS. Mm -hmm. okay. Nope. Don't have PCOS. Yeah. It just evolved kind of organically into specializing in it. And of course now I know so many people in my life who have it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but nobody that I'm related to. Yeah. And did you struggle with an eating disorder? No, I actually don't have a history of eating disorder either. Um, again, it's like one of those things I'm like, how did I end up here? But um, something that I really find interesting is behavior and mm -hmm. especially food behavior. And as I um, completed that master's degree in counseling, I was like, huh, why is this so interesting to me? And as I started doing my own kind of just like continued therapy, I um did things with Enneagram. I don't know if you're done yeah, the Enneagram first. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm an Enneagram four. Are you a four? I was just going to say, you know how many people I interview and counsel are fours? I knew you were going to say that. You, you like attract the same kind, right? Are you a four as well? I'm a four. Yes. So I think that's why we, this is Work my with theory. eating disorders. Well, like food behavior. And then also like with eating disorders, there's a lot of darkness yeah. and we feel okay. And actually kind of cozy when someone's talking about things that are painful. Like we're like one of the few groups of people that are not going to run away or try to make it seem right. like it's a silver lining. We, we can yeah. hang there. And so yeah. that's how I've kind of just been like, I think that's just how this has happened. Right. So, Makes a lot of sense. And I think it has prevented me from really going down the path of an eating disorder. Um, I'm almost 50. So it's helping me as I'm going through aging to just like um, have this layer of protection and awareness that I think I wouldn't have had. So who knows? I mean, I, I wonder if I would have experienced one if I hadn't gotten into this. Yeah, yeah that's that makes so much sense. I think I've yeah. thought of that also. Like fours yeah. are really deep, and they they mm -hmm. internalize everyone's feelings. Like you walk into a room and you could like just feel everyone's sadness, and yes. it's like really a superpower. And makes sense that you would work with somebody who has an eating disorder because there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But also be able being able to hold that space and help them through it is like really mm -hmm. powerful. I think yeah, the holding the space is a big part of our job. Mm -hmm. It's so cool to talk to another four. That's a dietitian. There aren't that many of us, but really? I, yeah, I, I think we are all kind of together. Yeah, in yeah. This realm. For yeah. sure, the people who treat eating disorders and are intuitive eating trained. Yeah. It's like it's like a mm -hmm. a certain type of person. Um, it's funny because I was just talking to somebody recently um like a business coach type of thing and he's like you know you're really more of a therapist I think that's why um not like you, you're not getting like as many calls as you thought you'd be getting because mm -hmm. people are looking at your website and they're like when they think when they hear dietitian they think weight loss mm -hmm. and you're really a therapist I'm like well I'm not legally allowed to call myself a therapist but there is right. so much overlap like there's just you like I've heard this from um people who are like really well-known eating disorder dietitians that like the talk about food is like five, 10, 15 minutes. Like you got to have more training than just the food, you know? So it's like 100%. Yeah. 
I wish there was a training in like eating disorders. Like you are an eating disorder dietitian slash therapist. Like that would be mm-hmm. probably better. There, there are a few trainings and I, there's more internship programs that are starting to offer that, but you're right. I mean, there needs to be more in how a dietitian is trained, but also like as a dietitian, we already have so many classes yeah. that we have to take. Like, how are they going to fit more? I don't know. Like I remember going my freshman year and I was on, we were on the quarter system where I was and every quarter, every class except one was already like planned like, Yeah. for, and I'm like, I don't have any choices here. Like, so I don't well, know actually, if you more training, you know, I, if I, I don't remember all my classes, but if I thought yeah. about it, I could, cause it was so many classes. Um, some of them really do talk about so much of psychology and food mm-hmm. behavior and counseling. So if they would just blend the two, you know, it would make sense. It would make sense. Or yeah. you can do a master's in counseling and just get a whole lot of it. So you have your RD and then you've got, um, you do have your master's mm-hmm. in nutrition, master's in counseling. Yeah. So you have your RD and master's in counseling. Mm-hmm. So therefore you could call yourself a therapist or a counselor. I'm not, I cannot because in the state I live in, you have to be licensed. And so the licensing, I was like, I am not going through all of that to basically, I still wanted to be a dietitian. I didn't want to like right. not be a dietitian. I don't yeah. have to basically give that up for about three years. So, wow. But yeah. legally you can call yourself a counselor. So people get that you do. kind of. I, I could just say I'm trained in counseling. That's like as trained far in- as I go. <laughs> With it. Nice, nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. in the state of North Carolina, I'm right. trained as a counselor. But, okay, yeah. got it. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> so, so when you said before about like um that you you were trying to figure out how to use the intuitive eating model with somebody mm-hmm. with PCOS, and you said it was it's similar to other conditions. So, let's say like diabetes, high blood pressure, high high cholesterol. Could we like kind of cluster that into mm-hmm. how we could kind of blend the two? So um, let me make sure I'm understanding. Like basically. Um, other chronic conditions that also people may pause before they do intuitive eating. Yeah. Uh, but their similarities. Yes. Like I think um, there's a number of conditions that like diabetes is one PCOS fatty liver disease, which ironically people with PCOS can have all three. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, those are three that I see that are like, hello everybody. I am so excited to tell you that the get into it with Gila podcast is sponsored by okclarity.com. OKClarity.com is the place for any Jew, no matter how firm or religious you are, to find a top-notch therapist, psychiatrist, coach, or dietitian, and it's completely free for you to use. OKClarity.com's professionals are vetted and have extensive experience working with the Jewish community. Yes, you can even find me there. If you're in the market for a therapist, coach, dietitian, psychiatrist, or the like, you want to check them out. If you don't find what you're looking for, They have a service where you complete a short form and they will personally match you, which I think is so, so cool. Important side note, if you are a wellness professional, I highly recommend joining their directory. Their team is amazing and I've received referrals immediately. They also really offer a ton of support. OK Clarity also has an amazing WhatsApp status with over 7,000 obsessed followers. And yes, I am one of them. Their WhatsApp is a free way to improve your mental health and they post really great humor. So you'll laugh too, which is really, really important for our mental health, right? If you have WhatsApp, shoot them a message at 917-426-1495. Again, that's 917-426-1495. Have a great day. Weaponize. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh no, if you get diagnosed with these or you're close to these, then you need to buckle down. And that means you can't do intuitive eating. And I, for me, working with people with PCOS and noticing how calories in, calories out, restriction, rigidity, Mm -hmm. like it didn't it didn't matter. Like they also still were harmed by restriction and dieting. 
um, and it didn't help long-term. It just kind of helped me then to like have this like umbrella of like, well, it didn't, it like it, everybody should be able to do this then, you know, mm-hmm. if we've mm-hmm. been able to see with PCOS, like a condition that is basically intertwined with restriction to treat it, even though there's no research to support that, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that if people with PCOS can find another way, then everybody can. Like, I just I'm like, yeah. yeah, everybody can. Yeah. So I want you to, I want you to take the floor and explain that, but I'll just say like, yeah. I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but I had, um, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes, you know, I have to keep my mouth shut. I had a client who, who didn't really know about intuitive eating and she was like willing to take the plunge, you know, and she needed some help with actually somebody who had non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm -hmm. Um, So of course I was doing intuitive eating, but I did as much research as I could, how to blend the two. And I like that person got so much better. And we Mm -hmm. didn't restrict. And I was like, and even with like some diabetes clients, like their numbers get better, uh, but they don't lose weight, but Mm -hmm. you know, so just to say that as proof. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't have like a crystal ball to know what's going to happen. Right. Um, And it's basically like for a lot of the people that I work with, like just owning up, like we don't have research on a lot of these things, especially with PCOS. There's just so little research, but you have your own research. Like let's talk about your own diet history right? and like really think about how many times you've tried. Mm -hmm. Um, And for a lot of people that I work with, many people are um, the same age as me, you know, they're mid to late forties or fifties. And they look at how long they've been trying and we actually like tally out how many times have you actually dieted Mm -hmm. and it'll be 20, 30, 40 times. I'm like, okay, so where's the line? Like, yeah. When is it going to be enough proof for you that diets are not going to be a good enough tool for you? And, um, you know, like that's an individual decision. That's not something I can decide, but we do have this other option that if you even try for three months, six months, see what happens. And then maybe you can incorporate the parts that you like. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, I think important to just like examine for the listener, like have diets worked yet for you? Right. Like have you, have you tried them enough yet? Like I, right. everyone's going to have their number of like, right. okay, after 10 times, that's enough. I don't know. I just pulled that at number. But yeah. Like you're, it's up to you. And then what, if you do get to a place where like, okay, I've proven to myself that they don't work for me and all the different shapes and forms then you and I or other intuitive eating folks are here to like, okay, let's just figure out what's going to be your next step. Yeah. I know that's a a similar line that I say to clients, like 20, 30, 40 years of your life, you've been trying to lose weight. Like, has it ever helped you? You know, like at a certain point, it's like, oh, right. It hasn't, you know? Yeah. And it's like important to appreciate that it's not an easy decision because um, depending on who surrounds you and what's important to you and your family, like there may be a lot that you're giving up. Yeah. By moving away from dieting, that's why I was like, yeah, it has to be totally a personal decision. But from there, focusing on doing some core areas, if you do have PCOS, um, you will see like, I act like people are like, I actually feel better. Like I have energy. And for many people with PCOS, that's their biggest complaint is like mm-hmm. how tired they are all the time. Like yeah. it's not just tired, but like painful fatigue. Yeah. And so, you know, who knew eating enough? 
uh, or getting closer to it can actually help you have some energy. Yeah. You know? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. Okay. So walk us through like the, um, on one foot, what is PCOS yeah. and how is it yeah. really, how, why do people think it's related to dieting? So PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome is an endocrine disorder that starts in the hypothalamus part of the brain and basically results in a set of symptoms from hormones becoming imbalanced. And uh, because of how the hormones can become imbalanced, people can have different symptoms mm -hmm. and um, can look differently. Unfortunately, the way that it's diagnosed is technically a diagnosis of exclusion. So they exclude all these other things. And um, if you have a set of symptoms, um, including irregular or absent periods. So if you don't have a cycle yet, or you are done with cycling, that's obviously going to be an issue for you, but you could still have PCOS. Um, signs of higher antigen levels like testosterone. And then the third one is uh, multiple immature follicles, also known as cysts on your ovaries. And, you know, I listed these three things and you only need two out of the three. Mm. So a person could have none of these quote cysts on their ovaries and have polycystic ovary syndrome, which I always think is a great like trivial <laughs> pursuit kind of like knowledge there. Um, and because of this, like, ambiguous there's a lot of ambiguity and yes. so if you are listening and you've been diagnosed with PCOS but you kind of like are questioning it it hasn't really sunk in or you're like I'm not really sure yeah that's the normal because the way it's diagnosed is kind of odd yes. and there are researchers that are looking at um labs get um in particular the anti-malarian hormone am I saying that word right AMH levels mm -hmm. can also be another way to um identify if someone has PCOS. It's just not the um, official way to diagnose it, but people with PCOS are consistently getting higher levels of AMH in their lab work. Um, so you, I think eventually it will change to that. Mm. And so people with PCOS though, because of the hormonal imbalance, there's um, again, irregular periods, there's usually painful fatigue. And what are the, what's causing this fatigue is because most people with PCOS have high insulin levels as well. Mm. Insulin's a hormone. And when insulin levels are very high, um, what is going on? There's some kind of issue going on with insulin receptors that probably is like outside of the, the scope of this conversation, but the body just makes more and more insulin to hopefully help um, bring energy into the cell in the form of glucose. And eventually, because so much insulin is made, blood sugar comes down. So that's why most people will be like, well, my blood sugar is normal mm -hmm. until it's, until it's not anymore. You know, people um, will often get diabetes with PCOS, but it'll like, they may be like, why am I so tired? Why do I have all these other signs maybe of diabetes, but not have high blood sugar. And that's because people usually are making so much insulin. Um, and from there, there's also, besides the fatigue from the high insulin, there's intense carb cravings. And that's mm -hmm. where you and I probably get mm -hmm. looped into PCOS a lot because, um, again, having high circulating insulin, it will, um, lead your body to have lots of cravings for food because when insulin goes up, that tells our body it's time to eat. Mm -hmm. And when it gets higher and higher and higher, the body's like, okay, we need to eat now. Yeah. Or we're going to die. Like yeah. every cell in the body will do that. And living in our world where we're told we have to eat less as women and we shouldn't eat too much. Um, and carbs or, will kill you. 
is so absolute, right? Right. Um, Or if you've been told that you weigh too much and you have to eat less, um, having these cravings will just feel like torture, especially if you're trying to eat less. And for a lot of people, what ends up happening naturally, this isn't like a failure or anything, is that in response to the cravings, um, eating. And so for a lot of folks I know we talk to, they end up feeling really ashamed of these eating times. And so that's when a lot of like binge restrict kind of cycles happen and um, eating disorders start to form. And so, right. yeah, for it's, I think it's like four to five times more likely to experience an eating disorder when you have PCOS. And mm. this is one of the reasons, you know, I right. think if, if there wasn't the push to restrict carbs and sugar or to lose weight, it would probably be not as high of an incidence you know, it just makes for it sure. complicated. So um, for like many people, when they are diagnosed eventually with PCOS based on whatever they base it on, um, the recommendation outside of a non-diet dietitian would be like, okay, lose weight and restrict your mm-hmm. carbs. Mm-hmm. Right. Like lifestyle intervention is still the primary treatment. Um, every five years, there are these evidence-based guidelines that get released on a PCOS, and there's supposed to be a 2023 one. I'm like waiting for it impatiently, um, but they go through, I think there's like 3000 people that write it, you know, and it's this like really in-depth paper. And there's a section on nutrition in the 2018 one, and they go through all the research and over and over again, it's like lifestyle interventions, um, weight management um, moderating carbs and sugar intake. It's all over it. But then there's a section in like the available research on nutrition and PCOS. And it very clearly states there are zero diets that have been shown to help improve symptoms from, um, of PCOS for most people. Um, so then it just goes, so then just pick one, which I think is just like really unfortunate. Yeah. Because if there's no recommendation to actually support this really intense like intervention, um, why just pick one? And I know I, it's kind of hypothetical. I feel like as nutrition recommendations are just kind of willy nilly, like people are like, ah, it's no big deal. It's just, just moderate your food intake. But you and I know like, no, that is a big deal. Like this is right. a part of like things we do all day long. It's a part of how we take care of ourselves is how we connect with other people, how we take care of our families. Like this is actually a really big deal and telling people just to go ahead and restrict these whole food groups and they're already getting these intense cravings for them is a really unfortunate like assumption to make it like, Oh, it's okay to recommend it. So, um, yeah, it's really sad. And I think, um, the ownership is then on people with PCOS to fix it. Um, there's almost this like assumption that if you do it well enough, you'll cure it, which is not true. Right. Um, I think it's and, similar to diabetes. I think that's the, 100%. the same messaging. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yes, for sure. It's really sad. I'm just like absorbing it because it's like, to me, it's like so obvious. I'm like, yeah, of course. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like we want as dietitians, we're so trained to think like evidence-based. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know if you had, I had a really good teacher when it came to this specifically, like understanding research and learning how to read it and the sample size and what type mm-hmm. of study. And don't be like, don't just look online and see a study that says like, um, research shows that 500 calories is now healthy. Like you have to see who wrote that and you have to see how many, you know, um, how strong, how strong was the research. But it's so interesting because you're basically saying that the research that you, that is extensive about PCOS is saying that there's no research to 
support the dieting, but like, I guess you can. Like, so it's like, like, so pick one, like, it's like overriding something. And you and I know that's basically what all the research says for everything. For everything. Yeah. That's, that's what I was getting at. Like, that's what it says. Like, but like it says like moderate your carbs. Right. So number one, I don't want to moderate people's carbs, but number two, before I was a intuitive eating dietitian, I always hated when people would ask me, my doctor said I should moderate my carbs. That's so vague for somebody who knows nothing about nutrition. It's like, what is carbs and are all okay. carbs created equal? And so should I just not eat carbs ever? And then like, mm-hmm. the, I'm now binging on carbs and now I'm really out of control with carbs and wow, I must be addicted to carbs. And it's like, hello. <laughs> yeah, it's really ridiculous. Yeah. Um, a little self-disclosure here. Um, I think this was maybe two years ago. I was feeling really like run down and tired, lots of migraine. And um, once the doctor and my, I, I needed a new like um, internal medicine doctor and someone recommended one. So I went to this person and got lab work done. The nurse called me to let me know about the results of the lab work. And my thyroid was, um, uh, I don't remember which way, like I, I was maybe looking towards hypothyroid. And then also my blood sugar was high. And the nurse said from these like lab work, she's like, so just go on a low carb diet and, um, and there was, that was it. Like there was no like follow-up, there was no specifics and, you know, they didn't know what I'd do for a living. So I was like, yeah. well, tell me what, what, like, first of all, for the thyroid, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, no, the light low carb will treat that. I'm like, can you tell me like what kind of specifics with the carbs? And she's like, oh, you know, just low carb, just Google it. And I'm like, oh my what? This is not okay. This was like, that's where the curse uh, word would have come in. I don't think I cursed with the nurse either, but I hung up and did because, um, you and I know like what to do in those situations to reject that, that, that was just a way for them to check, check off a box and nutrition education given. Yes. And it was so not okay. Harmful. They didn't know anything about me to be able to recommend that. So I found someone else. Thank goodness. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm really (laughs) happy that you just said that because I feel like just off the bat, I'm thinking of a few clients that are so frustrated and they're like, but how could what you're, you're telling me is true because my doctor said like, I can't eat carbs. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to answer that. Like I, I love doctors and I think that they are very well trained Mm -hmm. and you can't make a sweeping statement about all doctors, but it's like, every person is a whole person and every, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't mm-hmm. just say to someone who is diagnosed with diabetes, like, well, if you just ate less and exercise, you'd be fine. Like you just can't. Well, and that's why what I was saying earlier, like working with people with PCOS, it really helped me to appreciate how harmful dieting is because as I was going through people's like intakes and their behaviors every day, doctors were telling people to eat less and exercise more. And they were, and they were eating to amounts that I'm not even going to name or exercising to amounts of my name. Cause it was just like, so restrictive and yeah. um, so hard on them. And then they would go to the doctor and still not lose enough weight. And the doctor would be like, you need to try harder. Yeah. Um, or they give them recommendations that were more than they were eating, you know, assuming that they were eating more that happened all the time. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. There's assumptions. Yeah. And if there's any, like endocrinologist or PA or any other kind of doctor listening. Thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but really 
either help people connect with a dietitian so they can do this work or um, really do your own kind of work on your own bias when it comes to people, especially people on higher weight bodies, because these assumptions are literally hurting people and putting them in the path of eating disorder for the first time. And more people are doing what doctors are saying than I think doctors believe. Mm -hmm. And um, that's basically what I found with people with PCOS is people were following doctor's orders. It wasn't causing the weight change. So they were doing it more. They were practicing an eating disorder, but doctors were like, just try harder. Yeah. That, um, they were practicing an eating disorder and the doctors were like, you go girl, like just do it more. Or like, even like, no, do more. Right. But like their heart rates in the forties. We need to take them to the emergency room. Oh, oh no. God. That's just because they're exercising a lot. Like, no, that's not it's really but you know, doctors are really not traditionally trained in nutrition. Um, I know this was 20 years ago, but when I was working at um, a big teaching hospital, um, I was 25 years old and um, I was working in pediatric nutrition. So they, they took me and I spent an hour with the med students and an hour on uh, pediatric nutrition. My colleague did an hour of adult nutrition and this medical school got like national headlines because it was using, it was like providing nutrition education, but they got two hours total Wow. And all of med school. Yeah. And that, and that was like a huge deal. And so just keep that in mind. Yeah. Doctors know a lot about hormones and like how the body works and, but like the actual like food behavior, like we are with that all day long. And I think that's, a, that's why more dietitians are doing non-diet work is because we're seeing how it's not working. Yeah. It's not working. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of how like intuitive eating came to be. Like it just, yeah, they're just yeah. like, had that realization, like we are putting on people, people on diets, but it's actually not working. Yeah. Like it, you had to like sit with the fact, like maybe it's not them. It's me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm not doing what people need to do in order to like promote health. It's not very comfortable. Yeah. No, it's not comfortable. Yeah. I think everybody who I've, who who I have interviewed, who used to like treat weight loss or whatever, a practice from a weight loss perspective, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they found intuitive eating. They're like, uh, on the one hand, they're like, okay, this is amazing. On the other hand, it's like cringy. Like, I can't believe for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. I helped people quote unquote lose weight, you know? Yeah. 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 There was a good three or four years that I was doing that. And yeah, yeah, it was real, real not okay. And yeah. very cringy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand. I, I've been there. So <laughs> and I know it's, we don't have so much time, but um what have you found to be like the most effective, everyone's different, but the most effective yes. treatment with PCOS, like nutrition and medical, everything. I think the first and foremost, the first step for everybody is to make sure you're eating enough mm-hmm. and really ask yourself that, like, are you eating enough? And you may realize that no one's ever asked you that before, especially if you are in a higher weight body. Mm-hmm. Um, and the amount that you need is probably more than you think because yeah. we have been trained to eat less. So, yeah. you know, three meals, whatever snacks you need. Um, and then from there, um, there are supplements that I recommend with, with PCOS. And I used to be very anti-supplement mm-hmm. <laughs> until I was doing intuitive eating work with PCOS and people were like experiencing so much hardship from these really high insulin levels Yeah, and getting started on inositols mm-hmm. and omega-3s are two things that can help with insulin levels and PCOS. And I do have a blog post in case anybody's like wants more information on inositols on my yeah. website that kind of goes through all of those. Great. Um, and that like eating enough, the, um, inositols and omega three, and then 
there's this like concept that a lot of people that do not diet work, we often talk about is like, instead of like taking away things. So instead of taking away carbs and sugar, what can you add? And specifically with PCOS, I think you just need more protein probably than people without PCOS, Mm -hmm. especially at your first meal of the day and the last time you eat during the day. Um, How much? Well, that's very like individual. Um, But instead of like, I'm going to take away carbs and sugar at these meals instead, what can I add specifically? What protein can I add to this this eating time to see if that's going to help. And so much of PCOS care is experimentation to figure out mm-hmm. what works for you. But right. the, the inositols, the eating enough, the omega threes and the protein, like those are four things that help most people, like 99% of people with PCOS that I've worked with have, those are like the core areas to really focus on. And it takes time, probably mm-hmm. about three to six months to really like do some repair work longer if you have been restricting for longer, of course, but um, a good three to six months for things like insulin levels to come down, for inflammation markers to come down, to be like getting better sleep and all those things. So that's, that's like the, the nitty gritty kind of like what I would start with with folks. Um, There's a lot of details in there, but you know, that's like the meat of it. And that's kind of a weird pun that it's the meat (laughs) of it. You know, it's funny um, when I, I do, I, I have private clients and I also do groups like intuitive eating groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always find like when I get to the nutrition, like gentle nutrition component, mm-hmm. I'm like, listen, you know more about what's in like trendy than me. Like, you yeah. know, more of like what people are saying about nutrition than me, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always come back to this. And I even used to say this before I knew about intuitive eating that like, I just think the basics of general balanced eating is like protein, carbs, and fat, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, as much as you can, like mm-hmm. adequacy, you know, um, foods that you enjoy, not using food to cope with your emotions. Obviously, it's not the nutrition part, but like, it's not like, like, mm-hmm. we make it so complicated, and we demonize so many things that it's like, I can't possibly eat pizza for lunch. That's not healthy. And I'm like, well, what's not healthy about it? You know? Yeah. yeah like, let's break it down. It's yeah. just not healthy. Potato yeah. chips are just, everyone knows that candy's not healthy. How can you say it's healthy? I'm like, well, I'm not saying it's healthy, but you know, like, it's just so interesting that like, yeah. categorize like demonized yeah. food. There is a really great podcast episode that um, fellow dietitian, Christina Johnson recorded. Mm-hmm. That is um, it's, I mean, it's the episode is probably like three years old, but still like, it's still so good. She did an episode on her podcast, which her podcast is called intuitive eating for the culture, but it's an episode that's just titled gentle nutrition, I believe, but she goes through all of like the macronutrients and like gentle nutrition in a way that, um, I know she's just really good at explaining that stuff. Okay. Good I've gotten to know, to know Christine, Christina a little bit, and she's someone who's like really does a lot of like invests a lot of time in reading research. So like she's just really good at like breaking it all down. And it's um something that like anybody with an eating disorder history, I feel comfortable with them listening to it. And I again, it's like nine minutes too. It's not even that wow. long. That's so awesome. highly recommend that. Yeah, because the basics of nutrition don't always take so long. That's the mm-hmm. thing. No, it's not. It's not as like flashy. You know, yeah. it's just it's just not that. Like when people find out we're dietitians, they're often like, "Ooh, that's so exciting!" I'm like, "Yeah, it's, it's not really not." Yeah, it's really. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. We could talk amino acids and 
lipids and you'll find out it could be a snooze fest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that stuff. That's like, I actually like a half, like a few years ago when I was already doing intuitive eating professionally, I remember thinking, you know what? Like I really, people are, when I get to the gentle nutrition part and I give them like what I just told you, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, it's not enough. People want to know research. They want to know mm-hmm. what's really quote unquote best for you. So I was like, okay, I'm taking Paige Smathers nutrition matter, nutrition course on gentle oh, nutrition. Yeah. And it was Paige and it was another, um, biochemist I believe yes yeah yeah and it was excellent but I was like no one wants to hear this at the (laughs) end of the day it's that you need protein carbs and fat in variety Mm. and fruits and vegetables with variety and Mm -hmm. whole grains and all foods can fit you know like I wish I wish people would believe me you know yes that that um PhD um biochemist person is from my town like or did did the PhD in where I live. Um, it's really, yeah, it's brilliant person, but yeah, it's funny to like someone who has all that knowledge is still boiling it down to the same. And so for the rest of us, you know, we don't have to hold all of that in our brain. Like we can only hold so much in there and we have busy lives and you don't have to know all that. Like, you know, connecting with some tools that you can add to experiment with, and then holding on to like, I deserve to eat enough. Yeah, I deserve to recover to like, And recovery may mean eating cookies a lot more and candy in order to recover. And that's, that's really important for health. Right. So, yeah. Right. I often say that it's like, um, when we think of health, unfortunately, we think of nutrition and exercise only, right. And there's so many other things that contribute to our health, whether it's like our emotional health, our spiritual health, our financial health, our sleep hygiene, right? Like there's so many things Mm -hmm. and we're just like, we're just like minimizing it to those tiny, tiny, tiny things. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I like to use the example of like orthorexia because it's like orthorexia's definition is having an unhealthy relationship, having, having, what is it called again? I'm sorry. I know this because I always say it and I just like (laughs) slip my mind. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, okay. No, I mean, I know, but I don't know the official, like, you know. (laughs) Well, it's having an obsessive, it's having um, a relationship. It's, so it's an unhealthy relationship with only eating healthy food, right? Yes, it's yeah, like yeah, an obsession yeah. with only eating healthy food. So like you'll inter- interrogate the waiter or you mm. won't go out to eat. You're maybe eating enough calorically, but yes. you're so mentally drained and mentally see, like afraid and scared. It's like, could you even, how could you say that's healthy? But people will still say that person's so healthy. It's like right. such yeah. a misconception. Such a misconception. And it's so easy for us, like when we're, every day talking to people and their behaviors and like how much it affecting their life to see that yeah especially as fours we're like we can yeah. feel yeah. how painful this is for yeah. you yeah this is not healthy yeah and I think a lot of eating disorders and then also like how our culture is now is a really normalized mm-hmm. how like doing these painful things is good for us, mm-hmm. but we know it's like such a loaded thing. It's yeah. like coming from so many different um, parts of our society that are not helpful for us. So, really? yes, I like to, I like to have clients like make a circle of their life, like their pie of life. And it's like, Hey, yeah. how much of your like headspace or time or energy is like taken up with food thoughts or fears or whatever body image. And it's like, if it's 50% or more, it's like, that's just too much. Like, yeah. you know, and I know, and like mm-hmm. you just said, like as four is it's like, you feel it. It's like, I hear you. You really want to be skinny and you really want to be healthy. And you've been told for 20 years that eating carbs is going to make you not accomplish that goal. But like, it's also really ruined your life. <laughs> so yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, you know? you're spending all this time with me 
<laughs> every week talking yeah. about this. And I have a feeling you'd like to do other things, right? Yeah. And yeah. And I remember saying that to people a lot too. And so much of it is like so hard though to like um just even look in the other direction because yeah. we are just so like consumed by what diets promise us. And I yes. often think about like, if I could just get you to turn your head a little right. bit over yeah. to see over yeah. here and like, yeah. there's this whole other option. Yeah. And for some people, they don't have to give up a lot. Some people have to give up a lot to do right. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just know that people like you and me, we are here with you as you're making this kind of like transition away from diet culture and like you're not alone, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's the part, especially living with PCOS people are not really, I get the sense that there's not a lot of people who talk to other people who have PCOS because there's a lot of shame and stigma of the yeah. condition. And so then they're just all alone. And when people get together that have PCOS, it is, it like makes me cry every time because there's so much freedom in it. Like yeah. there's, they destigmatize the experience, they, they figure out what works and they don't have to use like their medical providers as much. Cause they're like, right. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, um, I think that's a big part that I think is important too, is like to get out of like isolation. Yeah. Um, when you have this chronic condition, when you can, so then you can, uh, yeah, actually be in community and feel better. Yeah. Support from other people is like so important. When I was my last group that I ran, I had five women on and we, they were just learning the principles of intuitive eating and supporting mm -hmm. each other with like a WhatsApp chat. And, um, and just like, you know, like the sessions would start with us all um, supporting each other, myself included. And I was like moderating, but I was really trying to get them to help each other. And I just found like more than anything that I taught them, it was just the support and the space that they had, which is like, I know we're dietitians and we're not therapists, but it's like, if only we could, you know, it's both, both things have to happen to heal. Well, yes. And something that I know to be true from reading all like the therapy research and, um, you know, I, I do a lot of supervision for dietitians now. And, um, one thing that people will say as they've gone through the recovery process, like when they are surveyed, like what's the thing that helped you the most to recover? It's not some flashy yeah. tool or skill or anything like that. It's the relationship with someone on their team. And yeah. so, yeah, if you're a dietitian listening, cause I know a lot of dietitians will listen to your podcast too. Yeah. Um, keep that in mind. It's not, it's just you showing up as you. And yeah. um, maybe if you have a friend who has an eating disorder, you just showing up as you yeah. and helping them just to be where they are. That's like the thing that helps more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So I know like I have to run because I have a client, but I just have to say this one, one more thing that you just said. I remember listening to Brene Brown, uh -huh. of course, you know, Brene Brown, yeah. and I can't remember the exact talk. I'll have to look for the YouTube link, but um, she was saying like the number one killer in her research, like is lo loneliness. Uh -huh. And I was like, whoa, like we think the number one killer is obesity. And yeah. she thinks the number one killer is loneliness. And like, there has to be more than like the number one killer is obesity or cancer even, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. we're not mm -hmm. looking at all the factors that affect people physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like what you just said, like the thing that helped somebody heal the most was having a support person that they relied mm -hmm. on and trusted. So it's like, just, we have to like, you know, zoom out of the picture of like health is only about weight, you know? Yeah. It's not about you controlling all of these variables and really like going bananas, trying to control them all. It's really reaching out and connecting with somebody.
exactly out more yeah okay so this was awesome I hope yeah. that you'll come on again um anytime and thanks for yeah. squeezing me in yeah um, sure. listeners don't know but I was late it's okay it's all good <laughs> it all worked out it was meant to be meant um, to be yeah meant to be. can you tell the listeners where they could find you if you're taking new clients or supervision or anything yeah, you can go to julieduffydillon.com. And since you're listening to podcasts, I have a podcast too. It's called Find Your Food Voice. Okay, awesome. And I'll link all that in the show notes and Thank have you. a great day. Thank you for coming Thank on. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at Gila Glassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.